What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Martian MMA Podcast. I am your host, and my name is John, and this week we are back for episode 88, where we will be analyzing and predicting the UFC 246 pay-per-view going down this Saturday night headlined by Conor McGregor taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone in a welterweight non-title main event. That is going down this Saturday, January 18, 2020. The first three fights kick off at 6.15 p.m. on UFC Fight Pass and ESPN Plus. With the four prelim fights on ESPN, the TV channel at 8 p.m. And the main card with featuring five fights starting on pay-per-view on ESPN Plus at 10 p.m. Eastern Time. This is the first UFC event and first Martian MMA podcast of 2020, so I just want to welcome everyone to the new year, new decade. A little bit sick this week, so you might hear a little bit of raspiness in my voice, but I'll try to stay hydrated throughout the podcast and just keep it going because we got really good fights this week. Some really, really close matchups. I actually made a tweet about this earlier in the week, but... Eight of the favorites on this card are under minus 150. So eight of the favorites have less than a 60% chance of winning. So that means all eight of those fights could really realistically go either way. We have four heavier favorites that are, um, you know, some of them might have some competitive fights in there as well. But eight fights that are in the minus 150 plus 130 range. So there are a ton of good fights to bet on this card. I, I've honestly had some trouble finding good spots in this card. I mean, there are a few lines that I like, a few money lines, but for the most part, I think there's going to be a lot of live betting opportunities and maybe a lot of passes on this card. Just hard fights to predict that I just can't make an accurate enough prediction and you just got to pass sometimes. So we're going to start things off, though, in the women's flyweight division, where we have Sabina Mazzo, who is 7-1, taking on J.J. Aldrich, who is 8-3. The opening betting line for this one was Aldrich, the minus 145 favorite, to Mazzo plus 115. While right now we are seeing a near pick at Mazzo, the slight favorite, minus 115, Aldrich, minus 105. So more action coming in Mazzo's way. Although there is two-way action coming in this fight, this is one of the first pick'em fights that we have uh, near pick'em, and it's a really close fight. I understand why it is uh, why there's action coming in on Mazo. She definitely had the, the more hype coming into the UFC of the two, coming off a, a couple nice head kick knockouts, but then ran into Marion Mraz in her first fight. Really struggled with Mraz's clinch game, got taken down and kept on her back by Mraz in that fight, and really just had a, a very weak performance in her debut. Luckily, bounced back last fight against Shayna Dobson. Uh, ended up hurting her with a body kick really early, early in that fight, but then wasn't able to finish her and just soundly outstruck her for the rest of the fight. She actually uh, got her own takedowns and worked her ground game a little bit so it was a it was a good showcase fight for mazo now dobson is not a good uh, opponent at all but at least she got her feet wet in the ufc got herself comfortable and got a win under her belt aldrich in her last fight looked very good as well uh, versus laura mueller she uh, won round one of that fight lost round two i think and then came back strong in round three and won uh, decisively she's got some pretty crisp boxing i'm actually impressed with her boxing she's uh southpaw she can pressure you pretty well and she's got good combination punches really impressed with her technique when throwing punches so and she was even beating macy barber a little bit for, before uh you know getting eventually wilting in the second round and getting tko in that fight 
but I think Aldrich is the more well-rounded of the two. I think that her boxing will be the the, the difference in this fight. I could see Mazzo um, getting her, her kicking game going, throwing some body kicks and head kicks and using her range because she, she is the much taller, longer fighter. And if she can use her reach, her, her long kicks and maybe her straight punches, I, I could see her beating Aldrich. But the more realistic possibility, I think, is Aldrich is the one pressuring. She is the one getting in the boxing range. She's getting her her punches landing and maybe even mixing in a clinch uh, clinch game or takedown. Aldrich landed a takedown versus Mueller in her last fight, and Mazo really struggles off her back. So I'm going with the more well-rounded fighter, Aldrich. I think she's beaten the better competition, and I think she's coming from a better, a little bit better of a camp. I think that uh, Aldrich's coaches, uh, I believe Trevor Whitman is a coach. I could be wrong about that. Uh, and I think that she'll come in with the right game plan because I think Ma- Mazo is a uh, – I think her game plan is pretty easy to see. Uh, you know, you just got to pressure her. She's not really good off of her back foot, and she's going to struggle in boxing range. So I think it's a good matchup for Aldrich. Not betting this one yet. Uh, maybe if we get a play plus money next to Aldrich's name, I'll look into it, but it's a really close fight, and I, I really could see uh, Mazo getting her kicking game going and winning this decision, but I'm siding with Aldrich here, and uh, no bet so far. The next fight takes place in the Bantamweight division. We have Ode Osborne, who is 8-2, taking on Brian Kelleher, who is 19-10. The opening betting line for this one was Osborne, the minus 145 favorite to Kelleher, plus 115. Right now, we are seeing Osborne minus 145, Kelleher plus 125. So, Ode Osborne making his UFC debut here. He's coming in as the favorite, and people are actually betting him as the favorite still. I, I really don't get it, honestly. I was kind of underwhelmed with what I saw from him on tape. And in full disclosure, I'm not really too high on Brian Kelleher either. I was actually kind of unimpressed with his his footage when I was going back and watching it. He actually didn't fight, I believe, all last year. Maybe only had one fight uh, and got uh, submitted by Montel Jackson. Yeah, that was actually at the end of uh, 2018. So he had no fights all 2019. Went back and watched his footage. And like I said, I was also a little underwhelmed. I mean, he had a nice victory over Stachiak. He finished him in the third round. A nice victory over the ghost of Hennon Morale a couple years back. But he, he actually had a panic tap submission to Marlon Vera in his UFC debut. He got uh, ch- tapped out by Jackson. So I think why the reason uh, Osborne is favorite in this fight is because he had a couple submissions in his regionals uh, fights and on the Tuesday Night Contender Series too. But that's a very skewed statistic because if you look at the way the fight ended, yeah, sure, he got the submission. But they were pretty lucky submissions. Like he was losing those fight and just kind of ended up in an op- opportunistic position. And, I mean, he's dangerous off his back. He can throw up a good armbar or triangle. But I think that, I mean, he's not a very positionally sound grappler. It's not like he's going to go down and take Kelleher down and use his top position and tap him out. I mean... We could see a weird scramble type of position where Kelleher gets tapped by an armbar triangle like uh, he did versus Marlon Vera, but I think that that was just a really uh, a bad moment for Kelleher. I think that his jiu-jitsu is actually a lot better than what we've seen so far, and I think that he will be able to avoid the submission from Osborne in this one. So that means the fight is going to take place in the feet. Uh, Kelleher is kind of an orthodox boxer. He doesn't really have too much... Um, diversity in his striking i guess you could say it's pretty much just punches that you're getting from kelleher and osborne's striking it has not really impressed me at all i mean his defense seems pretty bad it doesn't seem like he he thinks about defense at all it seems like he's entirely offensive minded on the feet he's a southpaw and he, he wings punches and kicks a lot but it it just seems like 
he he's not prepared for punches coming back his way at all he he pulls his head back in a straight line the tall man's defense and uh, I, I think that Kelleher could honestly do some damage on the feet possibly even knock out Osborne because he really has no striking defense no concept of boxing defense and Kelleher throws some pretty hard punches so I'm actually siding with Kelleher as the dog in this one. It, there's not much footage of Osborne out there. I think there's only like two or three of his his fights. And uh, Kelleher is coming off that long layoff, so it's a hard fight to predict. Uh, I wouldn't go crazy betting on Kelleher if he was a little more reliable and we had a little more footage, uh, recent footage of both of these guys. I would be tempted to, to bet more on Kelleher. But I'd say that the plus, plus money on Kelleher is worth a one-unit bet. If he keeps going up, maybe you could start thinking about that one-and-a-half units, two units. But I don't think Kelleher can be trusted that much so i think that one unit bet on him at around plus 125 is a solid bet and i'm actually going to pick Kelleher to win this one let's go by knockout because i think that osborne's striking defense is is really bad and it's going to uh, he's going to pay for it in this one the next fight takes place in the light heavyweight division. We have Alexa Kamur, who is 5-0, taking on Justin Ledette, who is 9-2. The opening betting line for this one was Ledette minus 170 to Kamur plus 140. Right now, we are seeing Kamur minus 120 to Ledette plus 100. So the lines have flipped. So Alexa Kamur is coming in here making his UFC debut. He's fresh off a win on the Tuesday Night Contender Series. It was a nice flying knee knockout victory in that one. And he only has five fights, though. So he's got some pretty limited pro experience. And Ledette is only 9-2, and two, but at least we've seen him get some wins in the UFC. We've seen him fight the full 15 minutes before, get some decision victories. Uh, his, his win against Zuaniwa uh, was actually a pretty decent win. He stuck to a jab in that one, used his straight punches, and was able to just outstrike uh, Zoo to a decision there. Also did the same thing to Chase Sherman and has a, a submission victory over Mark Godbeer. So the only guys he's he's lost to in the UFC were Rakich, where he was pretty much dominated in that fight, got taken down and stuck on his back in pretty much every round in that fight. He even got dropped by some punches on the feet versus Rakich. And then he got knocked out by the spinning back fist for, um, from Johnny Walker in his last fight. So... Ledette's had a rough uh, couple of past fights, but I think that he's still the better overall mixed martial artist of the two. And, you know, I've been kind of going back and forth in this one uh, a lot because Kamur seems like he's a, a very patient striker. He doesn't have a very high output. He's uh, really looking for it to pick his shots, but it doesn't seem like his, his boxing is particularly uh, great technique-wise. I mean, he just kind of has a powerful right hand, and there's just not really enough footage of him uh on the internet out there to to put him as the favorite over Ledette here honestly so going back and forth all week I you know early in the week I was thinking Kamur would just kind of go in there and uh, would swarm Ledette uh, maybe land that powerful right hand but I, honestly I'm thinking now that Ledette's boxing his defensive boxing is good enough to 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 use his straight punches and, and keep the Kamur on the end of a jab and likely outbox him to a decision so Ledette is kind of a question mark uh, at this point in his career. Had a bad performance last time, getting knocked out in 15 seconds. But uh, I still think that he has a good chance of winning this fight here. I think he has a chance of maybe hitting a takedown or two. We really have not seen Kamur's ground game at all. So 
it'll be a, an interesting fight, a hard fight to pick, but I'm going to go with the underdog right now, Justin Ledette. I've seen a lot of other people on Ledette too, so I think Ledette is the right side. I mean, I would be curious to see if anybody out there is on Kimura and uh, to hear what the reasoning why being confident in him is because I just think there's a little too uh, little footage of him to be to be picking and betting him here. So I'm actually going to go with Justin Ledette to win this fight. Uh, let's go with uh, a decision victory. The next fight takes place in the lightweight division. We have Nasrat Hakparast, who is 11-2, taking on Drew Dober, who is 21-9. The opening betting line for this one was Hakparast, the favorite, at minus 335 to Dober, the plus 260 underdog. Right now, we are seeing Hakparast, minus 335, Dober, plus 275. So, there's actually two-way action coming in on this fight. Nasrat might have actually opened in the minus 200 somewhere and got bet down to minus 300. Not really sure. It could be a best fight odds error uh, from the, the line I just read, the opening line. So really close fight, honestly. It, it should be closer than the odds indicate because... I think Nasra Hakpras is getting a little over-respected here. I mean, that he's looked really good lately. His boxing is super sharp. Uh, he's training up at TriStar. He's uh, picked up a, a knockout victory over uh, Silva in his last fight. and he I think that was probably his best performance to date. He barely got touched in that fight. And I believe the only time we've seen him lose in the UFC was to Marcin Held. And that was uh, a very grappling-heavy performance from Held. And he just got uh, outgrappled by the slightly uh, faster, better grappler in that one and he did a good job defensively in that one was was defending submissions and, and kept the fight close even though he was getting out grappled so high price is going to be hard to beat on the feet but drew dober is super aggressive i mean he's got good boxing he's got power in his left hand he just knocked out uh pollo reyes with it last fight and i mean his boxing combinations are getting a lot better he rocked reyes with a really nice combination and then put him away with a few more left hands and dober can hit his own takedowns from time to time he's also struggled on the ground with the with the top pressure and um, some takedowns and submissions like he, did. he got tapped out from uh, Benil Daryush not that long ago in a fight that he was winning so uh, Nasra does have a, a wrestling background I believe it's not the highest credentialed wrestling background like German national wrestling team or something like that but he definitely has the ability to hit takedowns. I don't really necessarily think that we'll see that in this fight because uh, Dober only really gets outgrappled by really high-level grapplers, and I don't think Nasrat is quite that. So I think we'll see a play out on the feet. It should be contested mostly in boxing range, and man, anything could happen at that range because both guys have power. They're both really accurate with their punches, and I think that Nasrat is definitely the more technical of the two. He's got the better defense, no question. So I got to favor Nasrat, and that's why you're seeing the big uh, minus 335 price tag next to his name i just think he's much more defensively sound technically sound i mean dober might have the power advantage it might be a little more aggressive but that might play uh you know into nasrat's favor in this one nasrat could be jabbing him keeping him on the end of his punches and just uh you know out fighting moving back and uh striking him while moving backwards uh, Nasrat's really good at that he's got incredible movement and footwork and i'm um, really impressed with the, with what's been happening from from uh, Nasrat in the cage lately so I, initially i said he was getting a little bit over respected uh, that might not even be true i mean i'd say he could be a minus 250 minus 300 favorite in this fight but that plus 275 next to dober's name i think he's gonna fight for your money for plus 275 i think he makes this fight competitive maybe even wins a round at some point 
I don't see Dober winning uh, apart from maybe if they, he draws him into a, a brawl and lands a really hard left hand and rocks Nasrat at some point. But it should be a really close competitive fight. Uh, it's going to be a really high-level striking uh, match. Some really good boxing is going to be on display by both guys. So uh, fun fight, but I'm going to pick Nasrat to win this decision. I'll go with 29-28. The next fight takes place in the flyweight division. We have Tim Elliott, who is 15-9-1, taking on Askar Askarov, who is 10-0-1. The opening betting line for this one was Askarov, the favorite, at minus 200 to Elliott at plus 160. Right now, we are seeing Askarov minus 145, Elliott plus 125. So more action coming in on the underdog Elliott's way. I totally agree with the line movement in this one. I actually think it's a, a pretty good matchup for Tim Elliott. I was pretty high on Askar Askarov coming into the UFC last fight. He was taking on Brandon Marino. I was really impressed with his footage uh, from fighting over in Russia. Had a really good ground game, some some decent striking to go along with it. But I think he, he kind of underperformed a little bit in that fight versus Marino. He struggled getting dominant top position on the ground. He got tagged with some punches on the feet a few times. He got dropped with a head kick at the end of round two. And I honestly had Brandon Marino winning all three rounds of that fight. I thought that the punches that he landed in round one outweighed uh, Askar, Askarov's back take in round one. Marino's head kick at the end of round one that dropped um, Askarov was the most significant and damaging movement of the round. And then Marino dominated round three. So it was a pretty bad decision. I might even go as far as to say it was a robbery for, um, for Marino in that one. But... It's a whole new matchup. I think that Elliott is a lot less physically strong than Marino and then will actually be a little easier to hold down on the canvas. Maybe it will be easier to get his submission game going. But Elliott is an incredible grappler. He can scramble his ass off. He can grapple for 15 minutes straight. He can... He has an incredible pace. He's had multiple grappling fights where they've been grappling nonstop the entire 15 minutes. And he really just embraces scrambling and grinding out fights. And I think Askarov's really going to give him the fight that he wants. And I think Elliot was working on his striking a little bit more in the past uh, few years. Hasn't been too active. Only one fight in the UFC since uh, maybe 2017, I think. And it was actually a, a first-round submission loss to uh, Davis and Figueroa not too long ago. But there was no shame in that loss. I mean, Figueroa is one of the best fighters in the division. And Elliot was coming off of a long layoff in that one. So... I think that Elliott will, will fight a little bit better than he did versus Figueroa. I think that the striking in this one, both their strikings are pretty ugly, but I would actually give the slight advantage to Elliott. And on the ground, it's going to be really evenly matched. I'd say Askarov might have the more diverse striking the diverse grappling game because he can work from top position he can get back takes he can submit you off his back but elliot can do all that as well he can he's so hard to hold down he's hard to get a back take on and even though he was submitted in his last fight don't don't get a fool elliot is still really hard to submit and i see askar askarov struggling to get that top position on elliot i think the askarov would really need a back take to win this fight uh maybe to a back take in two rounds to win uh, the two out of three rounds for the decision but other than that Elliot's going to be really hard to hold down, and I think that Elliot was probably going to be the one spending most of the time in top position here on the scrambles on the ground. So I'm siding with Tim Elliott. I've heard some some 
rumors about you know injuries from Elliot or something like that. Like maybe he's he he has he's sick right now. Like he has the flu right now or something like that, and he might have a possible neck injury as well. Those are slightly worrisome, but I'm just trusting the tape in this one. I mean, you can listen to interviews all day and find things that you don't like to hear, but uh, the tape says for me that Elliot is the right side at plus 125. So I think Elliot is worth a bet. One unit at plus 125. Have not locked in my action yet. We'll probably wait closer towards fight night. I'd see the money coming in on Askarov, and uh, maybe these favorites widen up a little bit. So right now, um, picking Elliott to win this one uh, via decision. The next fight takes place in the featherweight division. We have Andre Feely, who is 20-6, taking on Sadiq Youssef, who is 10-1. The opening betting line for this one was Youssef, the favorite at minus 195, to Feely, the plus 170 underdog. Right now, we are seeing... Yusef minus 145 to Feely plus 125. So more action coming in on the dog Andre Feely's way. Although there is two-way action coming in on this fight. Man, what an insane fight between these two. Uh, my Probably my favorite fight on the card. Favorite matchup of the entire card. It's going to be a wicked striking battle between these two. You know, Sadiq Youssef is undefeated in the UFC so far. Uh, only one loss in his pro career. And he's he's looked really good. I mean, he's had some some underperforming fights. Like, I think the... I think that the Suman Mokhtarian knockout was, you know, a very easy knockout. It was a, he was a ten to one favorite in that fight, and you know, Suman does not deserve to be in the UFC. Um, and then his win over Shane Marais, it, it was a decent win. He won round one. He lost round two. Was on his way to losing round three before dropping Marais and then finishing on top and winning that third round. But I mean, that fight was 15 minutes long, and I'd say Yusef was losing like seven or eight of those minutes of those fights. So it was a really close fight. I mean, and without that knockdown, he probably would have lost his way to a decision versus Marias. And then look at the way Andre Feely dealt with Shaman Marias. I mean, knocked him out in the first round, rocked him with a straight right hand, a head kick, and then put him away with another right hand, first round knockout. So. You know, just looking at the MMA math between the two, Yusef had a, str a struggle with Marias, had a tough close decision, while Feely knocked him out in the first round. Now, I think that Feely has a lot of, of things going for him in this matchup. I am siding with Andre Feely. He's, full disclosure, a little bit of a disclaimer, he, he, Andre Feely is one of my favorite fighters right now on the entire roster. I mean, the improvements this guy has made over the past few fights are incredible. And, I mean, he just fights with swag. He, he's got really great striking. He throws head kicks better than a lot better than most of the fighters in the UFC one of the best head kickers in the entire UFC and he's landed in them on a lot of his recent opponents I mean uh, Michael Johnson he landed a few good ones on him obviously he rocks Shane Mamarias with that and um you know, Andre Feely also has a, a decent wrestling game to, to mix things up. I mean, he can hit takedowns. He can shoot takedowns when you overextend on punches. He's got really fast and quick level changes. I mean, he knows when to hit them at the right time. He'll, you'll be striking for a few minutes, and then he'll mix in that takedown right when you're uh, totally forgetting about the, the possibility of the takedown. And I think Yusef, his ground game is a bit unknown. I mean, we've seen him get knocked out from that takedown that one time uh, by Luis Gomez back in uh, some regional promotion. But in the UFC, we have not seen his ground game tested at all. And that, that most recent fight against Gabriel Benitez from Sadiq, I mean, a little bit of a worrisome performance. I mean, he got stunned with a straight left hand in that fight. And sure, he did get the knockout at the end of round one. But, I mean, that was a close fight, closer than it had to be. He was in some real trouble from that straight left hand at some point. So the way I see this matchup going down is it's going to be 
mostly striking. The only time we'll see it on the ground is if Philly decides to level change, and he might do so. But I honestly think that we're we're due for just a straight kickboxing match, and I think that Philly has a little bit more. Uh, offensive tools i think he mixes together his, his punches in combination and his kicks to the body and head a little bit better while yusef is mostly just calf kicks and and power punches i do think that yusef has the boxing advantage and the power advantage but when it comes to volume and who's going to be landing more strikes per round and winning those rounds i gotta side with feely and i gotta side with the guy who's going to be mixing these combinations up a little bit better and he's going to be giving yusef a lot more different looks because as long as Feely can deal with the calf kick, as long as he doesn't get his lead leg lit up, I really see it hard for, for Yusef to win this fight. I mean, maybe Yusef rocks Feely with a, a hard punch at some point and puts him out, but I mean, I, I think Feely's defense is a little bit better of the two, and I'm overall just impressed with, with Feely's striking game uh, more of the two. So I, I'm, I'm siding with, with Feely's volume, with uh, his striking diversity in this one, and I think that even though Yusef has looked good in the UFC so far, he's definitely a, a dangerous good fighter i'm gonna go with my boy T andre touchy feely to win this one uh, via decision so um definitely gonna be worth the bet at plus 125 i i, I like where uh i like the value on him at plus 100 anybody who got him when he opened up at plus 170 that was a great line and i think that i'll probably wait off another day or two to see uh, if more money comes in on Yusef before laying laying down my action on feely so the next fight takes place in the women's flyweight division. We have Macy Barber, who is 8-0, taking on Roxanne Montefiore, who is 23-16. The opening betting line from this one was Barber, the minus 400 favorite to Montefiore, plus 330. Right now, we are seeing Barber minus 900 to Montefiore, plus 600. So, Barber opened up 80% probability, and she's now at 90% probability. And... I honestly think that it's pretty warranted, honestly. I mean, if you're asking me if I had to lay nine units to win one unit on Barber or risk one unit to win six units on, on Matafari, I mean, it's it would be a tough decision. Honestly. I, I think I would go with, with Matafari just because it, it that's just the statistically right thing to do. I mean, women's MMA, you're, you don't see many minus 900s. And, but this is a really, really good matchup for Macy Barber. I mean, it's such a step back in competition. I I, under, I have no clue why they're doing it. I mean, she, I think that Barber has actually had some three pretty stiff tests in the UFC so far and Cyphers, Aldrich, and Robertson, three very competent women's MMA fighters. And even though Montefiore is a veteran, even though she's she's crafty, she's got a decent ground game, and the ground game is where she could present some problems for Barber, I just think that it's, it's a huge step back in competition, and, and Montefiore really only has a small 10 to 15% chance at winning a, a by submission in this one. Uh, I really I don't think that Montefiore gets takedowns in top position and wins two or three rounds. Uh, there's no chance that, Barber, that, that Montefiore outstrikes Barber. On the feet, it's going to be a complete slaughter. Uh, Barbara's going to be landing really hard punches. If she gets in the clinch, Barbara's going to be landing hard knees and elbows and likely knocks out Montefiore on the feet if it stays there for long. And, I mean, Barbara's technique is not is not great. I mean, she's not a, a new talent in MMA. It's, she's not going to be a really difficult uh, matchup for Shevchenko if she gets all the way up there. But 
she definitely hits harder than 90% of women's MMA fighters. I mean, she's how many how many girls get three knockout wins in their first three fights in the UFC? Not to mention when they're 21 years old too. So I mean, Barbara's a special special talent. Uh, I think that. Even though Roxanne is, uh, you know, she's won me some money in the past. She's uh, usually a good uh, underdog bet to make because she's crafty, she's tough, she can uh, make it a very tough fight for you on the ground. I just don't see it happening here uh, on Saturday night. I think the Barbers, uh, her ground game is probably um, the, the biggest question mark. We've seen her uh, grapple a little bit back in LFA when she was fighting. Um, Perkins and Mallory Martin, those are two fights you can go back and watch where she showed a little bit of her ground game. She was kind of willing to play guard a little bit and trying to play some missions off her back, but I think that her fight IQ has evolved so much since then. I don't think she's going to be fooling around with submissions on guard submissions at all. If by any miracle she gets put on her back, I think that she will be looking to get right up instead of looking to be submitting off her back. And, you know, pending any crazy early takedown, back take submission from Modafari pulling off this huge upset, I think Barbara will likely steamroll here. I think that she probably knocks out Modafari in round two. Um, she's um, Modifar, er, Round two has been Barbara's round so far. I think she's gotten most of her knockouts in that round. I think the last one was in round one versus Robertson. She just got her out of there quick. And it could look a lot like that because, I mean, Robertson is a, is a good grappler for the women's division. She's got heavy top pressure. She submitted some, some decent women's fighters. And she didn't even come close to a takedown. I mean, she was desperately grabbing at legs, and Barbara was just butchering her with punches and knees and elbows. And I just don't think that Modafari has the wrestling credentials to, to get this fight to the floor, to keep top position, and to submit Barber. So other than that, it's going to be kind of an ugly fight, I imagine. I think that Barber probably cuts up Modafari and uh, puts some real good damage on her and uh, eventually gets that knockout. So the pick is going to be Barber by second round TKO. The first fight on the main card is in the lightweight division. We have Anthony Pettis, who is 22 and 9, taking on Carlos Diego Ferreira, who is 16 and 2. The opening betting line for this one was Diego Ferreira, the minus 165 favorite, to Pettis plus 135. Right now, we are seeing Ferreira minus 230 to Pettis plus 190. So. The more action coming in on the favorite in this one, and very, very warranted, in my opinion. I mean, Carlos Diego Ferreira is, is incredible. I mean, this guy has impressed me so much over his past few fights. I mean, he's really grown into one of my favorite fighters. And for a few reasons, I think the biggest reason would be, I mean, his, his takedown defense, his cardio. I mean, there's a lot of shit to like about this guy, honestly. I mean... The thing that really started uh, putting him on the map for me was his takedown defense versus Hobbylov. It was some of the best takedown defense I've ever seen. He was not only stuffing the takedowns, but he was putting uh, the Sambo Master in uh, very threatening positions. He was the one getting the crucifix, and he was the one threatening with submissions. I mean, he's a third-degree black belt on the ground, and it shows. He's got takedown defense, submissions. And his striking is getting vastly better too. I mean, a lot of people will point at that that brief little moment he had where he got stunned by Kyle Nelson uh, a year or two back. But that fight versus uh, Maribek Tysimov, he put on a striking clinic versus him. I mean, he was jabbing from southpaw and from orthodox. He was throwing front kicks. He was throwing body kicks, head kicks. I mean, his his punches were on point. His pace, his pressure. He was walking Maribek Tysimov down for the, the last two rounds and just beating him to a pulp. I mean, some, I think he landed 
uh, 160 significant strikes in that fight, and 79 of the significant strikes were in the third round. 79 strikes in the third round. And this was in Abu Dhabi when the arena was literally 99 degrees Fahrenheit at the time of the fight. So, I mean, Carlos Diego Ferreira's cardio is on another level. His pace and his pressure are, are really, really, uh, like, breaking down the fighters that he's facing. He's on a five-fight win streak, and... I mean, you you guys have are, are can tell that I'm obviously picking him in this fight. Now, all due respect to Anthony Pettis, but man, Pettis has had problems for a while with guys who pressure, with guys who put him on the back foot, who don't give him space to kick. And I mean, Pettis in his last couple fights, I mean, he looked pretty rough in my opinion. I mean, he looked really bad versus Nate Diaz. Let's, let's start that off. He did get that knockout victory over um, Wonderboy Thompson, that crazy come from behind a flying Superman punch knockout. Crazy knockout, but as close to a fluke as you'll get in in MMA and then he took a, a beating versus uh, Tony Ferguson not too long ago. So his past three fights, I mean, he's taken a lot of damage. He was getting outstruck by all three of those guys. He got taken down and outgrappled by Nate Diaz. He almost got finished by Nate Diaz in round three there. So uh, I, I think that this is a nightmare matchup for Pettis. I think that Ferreira is going to be walking him down on the feet, pressuring him, outboxing him. And I think that if Pettis attempts takedowns, he will fail uh, miserably. I think that the really only chance Pettis has at winning this fight is getting his kicking game going. And I feel like we say this every time Pettis fights. Like, that was the plan versus Diaz. Hey, if he, ki if he kicks him, he wins. But, I mean, he just does not game plan well for fights. It seems like his coach, Duke Rufus, does not do a great job game planning for Pettis at all. And uh, unless Pettis, you know, maybe uh, hits a sweet spot with one of his body kicks or head kicks like he did against uh, Michael Chiesa not too long ago, I think that he's in for a rough night at the office, possibly even getting knocked out in that second and third round. So the minus 230 price on CDF is completely warranted. There's value on minus 230. I would honestly cap him closer to minus 300, minus 400. So I'm riding with my boy uh, Carlos Diego Ferreira in this one. Uh, and the, the, the tape backs it up. I'm really impressed with everything I've seen from him. And uh, minus 230 is honestly worth a bet for me. So the pick is Ferreira to win this one. Let's go by third round TKO. The next fight takes place in the women's strawweight division. We have Claudia Gadelia, who is 17-4, taking on Alexa Grasso, who is 11-3. The opening betting line for this one was Gadelia, the favorite, at minus 190 to Grasso, plus 150. Right now, we are seeing... Gadelia minus 115 to Grasso minus 105 so much more action coming in on the underdog Alexa Grasso and I'm I'm not that surprised I'm surprised at where the line is sitting now at, at your pick them I'm not totally surprised about people betting Grasso at plus 150 because that's a good number in my opinion this is a very basic fight to break down it really depends on Claudia Gadelia's takedowns versus Alexa Grasso's uh, takedown defense and her getups because on the feet, Grasso is no question a better striker. On the ground, Gadelia is no question a better grappler. And I think that Grasso has a slight chance at maybe getting off of her back, getting up from the ground, and getting back to her feet if she's taken down. But there's only been one other uh, woman who has a similar style to Grasso that has been able to beat Gadelia, and that is Nina Ansaroff. Because the only uh, Joanna Jacek beat her twice. 
elite level takedown defense and elite level striking and then Andrade beater who could uh, compete with her on the ground and physicality wise but the only striker who has ever beat Gedalia besides Ioana is Ansaroff and Ansaroff was able to stuff two of or was able to stuff nine takedowns in that fight uh, was only taken down twice and Gedalia really muscles all of her takedowns she doesn't have clean wrestling techniques she just uses pure strength to just rip you to the floor and that's why she gasses out a lot in her fights because she uses so much energy and power to get the fight to the floor and not enough technique and in Gedalia's last fight versus Rana Marcos, it was a bit of a head-scratcher performance. She only landed 40 significant strikes. She won all three rounds. She didn't attempt any takedowns. It was just like a, a walk-in-the-park type of fight for her. She wanted to control her cardio and make sure she didn't gas out and didn't grapple much. And, I, I mean, it was a decent win for her. But you, know, you don't really know much about how she's going to perform here. She, I mean, Gedalia was able to take down Grasso a few – or was able to take down Esparza a few times and was able to beat uh, Esparza, and then Esparza went on and beat Grasso last fight too, so it's a really, really close fight. It all depends on Grasso's takedown defense. I mean, if take, if her takedown defense is is game, and it, I think it should be because she's been steadily improving it. She's been, she trains really specifically for her opponents, and she's fighting two grapplers back-to-back -back now. I mean, my, my heart is telling me to pick Grasso in this one. I think that she does have the takedown defense and the physicality to avoid the takedown, to get up off of her back, and to outstrike Gedalia on the feet, but my, but my mind, my brain is telling me to go with Gedalia to get the takedowns because realistically she can only need two takedowns to win the fight one takedown in round one one takedown in round two and Grasso has been tapped out before she got tapped out by Suarez in round one so and if the fight stays on the feet I can see Grasso doing enough damage to possibly knock out Gedalia so a, a bet that has crossed my mind in this fight is the fight does not go the distance you're going to get some pretty good odds maybe two to one on this one because it's a, a women's fight uh yeah uh plus 200 on fight doesn't go to decision i think that we could see a finish from either woman in this one a, a submission from gedalia maybe even a tko from grasso so i i, I like grasso's chancing at winning this fight but i will not pre-fight pre bet her the move for this fight i think would be to pre-fight bet gedalia money line and then during round one or maybe after round one if gedalia or if grasso avoids the takedown stays on her feet then look to live bet grasso because if the if Gedalia is not um, imminent with the takedowns, if she does not get those takedowns early, I think the Grasso wins. Grasso is going to be landing hard punches on Gedalia. She's going to be busting busting up her nose. Gedalia's head is so big, and she doesn't move her head at all. She just stays there and gets lit up with punches. Terrible defense. I mean, Gedalia is really a, a one-dimensional fighter at this point in her career. I mean, it seems like the takedowns are really the only area that she's dangerous, and. I mean, I think the Grasso knows what's coming. She she knows the takedowns are coming. She's fought Suarez and she's fought uh, Esparza. She's fought a lot of grapplers now, and I think that she's gonna start showing improvements in her takedown defense. Um, she did a good job at you know, securing full guard versus Esparza and using the the her feet to push push off on the hips and get back up. It's just that initial layer of takedown defense is not as good. So, uh, you know. Pre-fight, I got to go with Gedalia to get the decision. I think that she gets the takedowns in rounds one and two and probably wins those two rounds of top position and likely goes on to lose round three but still secures the decision victory. But, man, this one could change in an instant. So be ready to live bet this one. Be ready to live bet Grasso. But the pre-fight bet is definitely going to be Gedalia on this one. So 
Uh, it's a really coin flip type of fight. The odds are super accurate for where they're at now. Uh, I'd say the the value is on Gedalia. She opened minus 190 all the way down to minus 115, so you're getting a good price on her. So um, the pick is going to be Gedalia by decision, but look to live bet Grasso in this one. The next fight takes place in the heavyweight division where we have Alexi Olenek who is 57-13-1 taking on Maurice Green who is 8-3. The opening betting line for this one was Olenek minus 182, Green plus 140. Right now we are seeing the line flip Green minus 130, Olenek plus 110. So the line flipped in this one. I agree with the line movement in this one. I think Maurice Green has got to be the favorite at this point in his career. And, I mean, it, much more at, at this point in Olenek's career. I mean, the dude is just taking so much punishment fight after fight. I mean, let's figure out how old this dude is. I think he's 42. I could could be wrong, though. Um, yep, 42 years old. He's got 70 pro MMA fights. He got knocked out in back-to-back -back last fights. And, I mean, he's just taken some immense, immense damage in his past few fights. And I have no idea why the dude is still fighting. I mean, he got knocked out in 12 seconds versus Walt Harris last fight. That Overeem fight was longer. It was 4 minutes and 30 seconds or something like that. But, I mean, he took so much damage. I mean, he ate 30 knees to the face in that fight for, from Overeem. And, I mean, I honestly think that Olenek is probably fighting for a paycheck at this point in his career. I mean, if he was at any other weight class besides heavyweight, he would be gone years ago. It's just this terrible heavyweight division we have to deal with. And, I mean, Maurice Green is not a world beater of his own right. I mean, he's decently well-rounded. He can stuff the takedown. He can hit a submission off his back. He's got some decent striking, good straight punches, can throw some pretty decent kicks. And he was on a sneaky three-fight win streak before getting knocked out by Polovich in his last fight but i mean his striking is not you know world beating is he's not even going to have that much of an advantage over olenek in this one it's more of a slight advantage i mean he's going to have a massive speed advantage he's going to be the much taller fighter it's going to be hard for olenek to touch the chin of green but green is a little bit of a defensive liability at times i mean he can get tagged by punches he got rocked by Hughes by a body punch at one point. He got knocked out by Polovich last fight. So, I mean, his defense is not the best. I don't think he's particularly chinny. I just don't think he has great defense. But I think that if you look at the performance he put in against Junior Albini uh, just a few months back, I mean, he's going to look to put on that same type of performance. Use his reach, his jab, his front kicks, his leg kicks to just break down Olenek. Use that massive height and reach advantage he's going to have and likely knock out Olenek early in this one. So, I think it's a bit of a, a risky fight because Olenek could, you know, touch the chin. Could he uh, Green's a defensive liability? He could go down at any moment. I mean, Olenek does swing haymaker still, even though he's got no technique whatsoever. He still throws hard. He even rocked Overeem at one point during their exchanges. So. It's not going to be a walk in the park for Green. I think that we might have a few tense moments. I mean, I don't think that Olenek has the uh, won't will hit takedowns. I don't think that he's going to uh, get a top position or a dominant position on Green. He, of course, can hit him with the Ezekiel choke from any angle. But if you look at like his last submission win, it was like a, a takedown and a back take to rear naked choke versus Mark Hunt. I do not see that type of uh, that type of scenario playing out here versus Green. Green's going to be a lot harder to take down and has got a lot better uh, defensive grappling than Mark Hunt. So the pick from this one is going to be green. I'm going to go with him to get the knockout in round two.
The next fight is the co-main event of the evening. We have Holly Holm, who is 12-5, taking on Raquel Pennington, who is 10-7. The opening betting line for this one was Holm minus 290, Pennington plus 230. Right now, we are seeing Holm minus 135 to Pennington plus 115. So way, way more action coming in on Raquel Pennington in this one. And honestly, it's justified. Whoever set that minus 230 or minus or plus 230 line for Pennington, that was t a terrible line. And heavy action has come in on Pennington since then. This is actually a rematch between the two. And it is co-main event of the evening. Just a quick non-fight note, non-analytical note. Putting this fight as co-main event is one of the worst decisions I've ever seen by the UFC. It's going to be a terrible fight. It's going to be super boring. It's going to be probably just like their first fight, which was really boring. And the fans are going to hate it. It's going to put them to sleep before the McGregor fight. And it's just a terrible move all around. So that aside, getting down to the matchup, they did fight before. It was about four or five years ago, back in UFC 184. I think that was February of 2014. So actually almost six years ago. Really long time ago, and one of Holmes' first fights in the UFC, uh, she was lighting her up with straight punches on the feet, stuffing takedowns easily, using her kicks, and Holm just outvolumed her every round. Raquel Pennington did land a few nice right hands, but Pennington was just standing right in front of her. She wasn't throwing enough volume, and Holly Holm easily outkickboxed her and outvolumed her all three rounds, winning the fight pretty clearly. So. Since then, though, I mean, Pennington has gotten a lot better. She's definitely, uh, you know, had a lot more experience since then. She's added some layers to her game. I just haven't seen enough additions to her game to think that she's going to win this fight. I mean, I don't see any reason why Holm can't do the same thing that she did the first time. Pennington's takedowns are not very good. She got all of her takedowns stuffed by Jermaine Duraname. Uh She tends to shoot them against the cage, too, which makes the takedowns a little bit easier to attempt. And the first fight, when Pennington was attempting the takedown, she got nowhere close. I mean, Holly Holm easily stuffed every takedown. And uh, I think that, that, fight w that the fight will play out pretty similar here. I mean, I wanted to pick Raquel. I think she has the more upside at this point in her uh, career, although both of them are kind of at the end of their career. I just think that Pennington is not going to have the volume enough. Uh, she might be going for takedowns. I doubt the work this time. And I just got to trust Holmes' uh, cleaner striking technique and better volume to, to slightly edge this decision. But it's going to be a close decision, probably two rounds to one, possibly even a split decision. Not expecting a good fight. And I'm going to pick Holly Holm to win this one 29-28. That brings us to the main event of the evening, a non-title five-round main event. In the welterweight division, we, we have Conor McGregor, who is 21 and 4, taking on Donald Cowboy Cerrone, who is 36 and 13. The opening betting line for this one was McGregor minus 160, Cerrone plus 130. Right now, we are seeing McGregor minus 350 to Cerrone plus 290. So heavy action coming in on Conor McGregor. He opened up around a minus. 160 favorite which means his implied probability is around 61 or 62 percent minus 350 now implies closer to 77 to 78 percent for mcgregor so huge action coming in on mcgregor that's 16 per 16 or 17 percent into his implied probability so obviously the public is valuing mcgregor a little bit more than the odds makers are and that's expected you know mcgregor is always going to get that that public action from people although i was seeing online uh from from a las vegas sports book that the there's a four to one ticket ratio on Don Cerrone. So f out of five bets, four of them are coming in on Cerrone for every one on McGregor. Although I'm sure that 
one bet on McGregor is much bigger than all four of the the bets on Cerrone combined. So the heavier bets are coming in on McGregor, but the more volume of bets are coming in on Cerrone. And I understand that as well. I mean, Cerrone has been around forever. The guy f- deserves the fuck out of this. I mean, I'm so happy for him getting this. This this is his first UFC pay-per-view main event. That's that's so incredible in his, what, 37th UFC fight or something like that. His 51st pro MMA fight. He's getting that main event pay-per-view. He's getting paid for it. $2 million to show to McGregor's $5 million to show. I'm sure they're going to be getting a lot of money from pay-per-view too. So it's good to see uh, two of the top guys in the sport making some some good change i'd say they're they'll both probably clear eight figures for this fight which is pretty unprecedented for mma so it's good to see these guys getting paid it's good to see mcgregor back in action after 15 months off and it's good to see them finally match up with one another because they've been kind of talking shit back and forth a little bit for years now they had a little back and forth earlier this year on Twitter, maybe like congratulating each I think McGregor congratulated Cerrone on his performance after I Quinta. So uh, they were very cordial with one another at the press conference yesterday. It doesn't seem like there's any bad blood between them now, and they're just both looking in there to get in there and to fight. And unfortunately for Donald Cerrone, though, he, he's had, he had a tough 2019. I mean, he did pull off that victory over I Quinta, uh, winning that decision four rounds to one or something like that. Although he did lose, the, uh, I think, round two of that fight. got Had trouble with Iaquinta's boxing a little bit. And then uh, had a decent round one versus Ferguson. And then eventually got stomped in round two and uh, TKO'd in between rounds. And got knocked out in the first round versus Justin Gaethje in his last fight of the year. So he, he suffered two knockouts in the year. And he, he did put in about eight rounds of, of fighting. And he, I mean, hard rounds too, uh, compared to McGregor, who didn't fight MMA at all last year. So what I'm getting at is Cerrone has taken some damage lately. I mean, his chin is not what it used to be. His performance, honestly, against Gaethje was one of the worst Cowboy Cerrone fights I've ever seen. I mean, he looked terrible, slow. Uh, he, his pocket boxing was terrible. He lost every exchange. He was getting stunned with punches. He was flinching and and not having good defense to punches at all. I mean, it was it was a really ugly performance, and it ended up with him getting knocked out in the first round. A pretty sad performance to watch from Cerrone. So, I mean, I, I honestly do not think that Cerrone is the same fighter anymore. He did have a little bit of a throwback performance um, versus I Quinta not too long ago, but I mean, the the decisions aren't there anymore. He's not making smart in fight decisions. He obviously is in game planning for fights. He never really has done that. And it just seems that... Uh, actually, he had that fight with Alexander Hernandez in 2019 too. So he actually had four fights in that time frame. Two wins, two losses. Um, so... I mean, it sounds kind of silly to say that he's not the fighter that he once is because he did, in the early 2019, he looked like vintage Don's Cowboy Cerrone, but the second half of the year, he had a pretty steep drop-off. So, I mean, he, he is capable of winning this fight. I mean, if he uses his kicks, he keeps the fight standing. He maybe uh, lands a head kick on, on McGregor at some point. He could pull off this crazy upset, but I really do not see it happening. This is a great matchup for Conor McGregor. Uh, he's got that that southpaw boxing that he throws he counters in combinations which very few fighters in mma do is he doesn't some guys don't counter punch at all they can't even understand that well some people counter punch with one punch well mcgregor counters with multiple punch combinations and that's a a really hard skill to to master and very few people have it in mma but mcgregor's one of them he was lighting up eddie alvarez with combinations he was doing it versus nate diaz in the rematch as well of course, he, he counterpunched uh, Jose Aldo for the most, probably one of the craziest knockouts of all time. 
And, uh, I mean, McGregor's game is just underrated all around, honestly. I mean, people don't realize how good his boxing and his striking is. People underrate his kicking game. He throws really nice front kicks. He can throw some leg kicks from time to time as well. People underrate his takedown defense, his defensive grappling. I mean, he fought well versus Khabib. I mean, you look at the way Ally Quinta fought, Michael Johnson fought, uh, even Dustin Poirier fought. They fought much, much worse versus Khabib. Connor fought pretty smart versus him. I mean, he did a lot of right things. He did okay defensive grappling wise. It's just he was facing one of the best grapplers in the sport. And he, Khabib would do the same thing to Cerrone. So that, that, that matchup really isn't too relevant for this one. It's going to be a striking contest. Uh, they're going to want to bang it out on the feet. I see, maybe Cerrone will attempt a level change. I don't think it'll work. We might see them grapple for a little bit. I honestly would like to see them grapple for a little bit just to see how they match up. A lot of people would assume that because Cerrone has all the submissions on his record and has some pretty good jiu-jitsu that he would um, be able to tap out McGregor. But McGregor's defensive grappling is really good. And I don't think that uh, this, we will see Cerrone get any type of advantage position on McGregor on the ground. So we're going to see him strike. We're going to see mcgregor land in those straight punches he's got the huge advantage in the pocket mcgregor is better defensively he's got the better chin he's got more power he's got better pocket boxing um there's just a lot of things going for mcgregor in this fight and that's why you see that that steep minus 350 price tag next to his name but accurate steep but accurate because i honestly cap mcgregor at minus 400 for this fight uh, it's gonna be uh it would be pretty crazy to see uh, cerrone pull off the upset uh, I mean, I might be, I might be happy for the guy, but at this point, I, I would honestly be a little frustrated because this matchup seems so clear cut for Connor that if the upset honestly happened, I, I would honestly question what I know about predicting fights. So, I'm, I'm heavily confident in Connor in this one. No disrespect to my boy Donald Cerrone, he's a legend of the sport, UFC Hall of Famer, no doubt. But it's a tough matchup for him. I mean, maybe we see that chin a little, uh, that a little rejuvenated at 170. He's going to be a little more hydrated, and we might see him take a punch better. We might see this one go into the later rounds where Cerrone could have that cardio advantage. I mean, we could see McGregor win the first couple rounds and then struggle with the later rounds like he did versus Nate Diaz. That's an entirely real possibility. But from the way that I've seen Cerrone's defensive striking lately and the way that he's taken punches, I gotta lean with McGregor to get that knockout. I got I think I see the knockout coming in round two. Will probably be a little bit of a feeling out process, maybe a knockdown or two in round one, and then he will uh, put the, the nail in the coffin in round two for the knockout. So, the official prediction is going to be McGregor to get that second round knockout. Let's go with a minute and thirty seven seconds into the second round, to be precise so that is going to do it for breaking down all 12 of these fights as i said at the beginning of the podcast we have some really close fights um, this week i'm looking at eight matchups right now where the favorite is minus 145 or, or above so there is no one who of those eight fights the favorite has less than a 60 percent chance of winning the fight that means there's great value in the betting lines for this one we could see eight of these fights go either way realistically we could see all 12 of them i mean you know it's mma anything happens but as far as bets go so far i have no action on this card at all I would like to bet Aldrich if she gets the plus money. I will probably lock in one unit on Kelleher at plus money, one unit on Ledet at plus money, maybe a half a unit on Dover at his odds currently, one unit on Elliott at plus 125, one unit on Philly plus 125. Might, might go 2.3 units on uh, Diego Ferreira. Might even go a little bit more than that uh, on him. 
pre-fight bet on Gedalio. Look to live bet Grasso. Pre-fight bet on Maurice Green. Probably go pre-fight on Holly Holm. And I doubt I'll lay the chalk on McGregor, but I'll probably bet some McGregor knockout props or McGregor round one, round two. You will be able to see all my official bets on my Bet MMA Tips page, which is linked in my YouTube and my Twitter. So check me out on Twitter. Follow me at UFO underscore UFC. And that's where I post promote the podcast. Thank you all for listening. Welcome back to another, uh, hopefully, 40 episodes of Martian MMA this calendar year. Another 40 UFC events. Another 40 episodes of Martian MMA podcast. So thank you all for listening. Hope you all enjoyed the card this weekend. And I will see you all before the next UFC card. Peace. Peace.